carnal instincts. Incarnation instant <laughs> breakfast. So incarnal, as in our carnal desires in the nation. Yeah. So it's carnal nation. And so what Jesus was trying to do was... <laughs> I think this is an ad for uh, carnival cruises, you know. <laughs> In Carnival Cruise. Oh, wait, that's Six Flags, isn't it? Yeah. Same thing. Same thing, yeah. Cool. Well, man, how you guys been? Let me tell you something. I've been exhausted, i got to tell you. Well, yes, you have. exhausted. Well, I saw you Friday, and you looked very exhausted. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a long weekend. Your eyes were, like, maybe 35% opened. <laughs> and your that, weekend was just beginning at that point. Yep, yeah, that was before the hour and a half drive. Yep. Yep. What's it? I mean, I assume that um Brock from Pokemon and uh Clint, yes, and Clint Eastwood. Clint, Clint Eastwood too. Uh and Bob could uh-huh. all share a common like, you know, bond of yeah. being really squinty and just not really being able to see anything except in a very <laughs> narrow view. <laughs> I don't know what it was about old western actors, but they all had, you know, there was Clint Eastwood had no eyes, mm. which is amazing, mm. you know, and somehow John Wayne was able to get by with no teeth at all. So well, if you realize ever, you never see John Wayne's teeth at all, <laughs> if you've ever Got seen a smile, if you've ever seen the good, the bad and the ugly, yes. that final face off where they're about to shoot each other. It's not like the reason it takes so long isn't because they're like feeling each other out. Clint Eastwood is literally like, what is that over there? Is that a person <laughs> over there? And he's like, mm, I think that's a guy. I'll just shoot that way. And it's like, you know, they were all just thinking like, hey, when can we get a break and eat some spaghetti? Spaghetti <laughs> Western. Uh, OK, well, good stuff. Um, to answer your question earlier, you said, how am I doing? Yeah. Well, the years that are coming in, they don't stop coming. They don't stop coming. Back to the that's rules true. and they hit that's the true. ground running. Cool. Yeah. I, I think it's fun that uh, if you ever l- dissect those lyrics, a lot of people just love the meme, but um, he actually does talk a little bit about climate change, about uh, global warming. He says um, it's a cool place and, you know, it gets colder because, you know, that would be well, an interesting take on. No, no. It. He says um, he says uh, 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 the ice we skate is oh, getting, it's getting pretty, pretty thin. thin. The, the water's, water's getting, getting warm, warm so, so you, you might, might as well swim. Yeah, it's like a positive. The world's kind on of, fire. Yeah. How about, how about yours? yours? So yeah. what he's saying is that it starts off I like the ice. It. I never get bored. Right. So yeah. he's saying that the ice <laughs> is going to melt. Yeah. And then the water uh, is getting warmer. So you might as well swim. And then the world's yeah. on fire. There you go. Yeah. Well, I like California. I like how he's. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I do like how Smash Mouth keeps it positive, though. Yeah, kind of like us. We keep it positive around here. That's very true. Cool. I would say that the um, the the best thing about Smash Mouth is that they've never been like, yo, you guys are whack for trying to like make us a meme. They're just like, yeah, we're a meme. Awesome. They've embraced it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They need to team up with uh, Smashing Pumpkins and have a very smashing tour. Ooh. And then have as a dancer on stage, uh, I guess Austin Power says smashing, doesn't he? Smashing, baby. <laughs> yeah. Get that tr- uh, trinity of acts. <laughs> All right. We are, we are in the silly zone. Let's get started here. I'm Zach. I'm Colin. And I'm Bob. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the Houseplants, Houseplants Podcast. Podcast. The spooky music is gone. Yep, it, it was not this time either, unfortunately. I wanted it because we made the joke about last week 
about uh, Thanksgiving themed, and I was gobble, like, gobble gobble gobble. <laughs> I don't know how you would make Thanksgiving music. <laughs> you laughed super hard when I did like a like a last episode. Oh, if, for anybody who wants to listen to Zach laugh really hard, all I did was do a turkey call, like ended our theme with it, and he just lost his mind. Um, so yeah, uh, we are we are uh, breaking free, kind of of, of the series. Uh, Bob kind of let us sort of sashay out of the series. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the um, the the connecting link because he does talk about technology and we kind of sort of softly ask the question of whether yeah. or not it's evil. Mm-hmm. But we have sure. since con- gone off the reservation and back to some of our uh, uh, one-shot topics. That's right. And so this one's going to be a real fun one. Zach has graciously kind of led the discussion this week uh, or is going to. And so uh, before we get into that, we should do a little worship. Yeah. So Zach, tell us a little bit about the King shall come when morning dawns. Yeah. Somebody introduced this hymn to me just very recently and I just love, it's actually an Advent hymn. So we're just a little bit early on the Mm -hmm. correct proper season. But I think that it's a good one to sing anyway. It's just about the kind of the victorious coming of Christ. And that's really what incarnation, the coming of Jesus is all about. The fact that the King has come and um, also he will come again. We believe that as Christians. And so this hymn just really kind of proclaims that. I like it. See, I want to get to a point where I know so many hymns that I could literally just speak doctrine. That is only hymn lyrics and will sound like I'm a really smart Christian. I look forward to that day, Colin. Um, that, that's going to be fun. Somebody's going to be like, Oh, well, well, you know, the second coming of Jesus will be like, well, he shall come with yeah. trumpet sound. And may I then in him be found. That's great. I mean, that's a good reference. You should also learn some, you know, some Wesley hymns. Yeah. Always introducing that guy. Around. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know. He's <laughs> got a bunch of them, even though you like, love Luther, Wesley, <laughs> Luther, and Wesley, um, Isaac Watts, Isaac is Watts. A good one. Yeah. All right. So without further ado, let us worship. Christ our King in beauty comes 
Betty, we thank you so much for this chance to, to come together and talk about uh, your coming and, uh, and what that means for us and, uh, and, and kind of ponder on the significance of it. Uh, we thank you for this, uh, for this opportunity. We thank you for our, uh, our listeners. And uh, we, uh, we praise you for all the things you've done for us and continue to do for us each and every single day. In your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Bob. Man, guys, awesome. that was that was absolutely beautiful. So Thanks. what's what's fun is that Zach, all his notes to me were like, I don't know, I wanted to sound kind of Irish, and I was like, oh, you got to like do fast stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's an Irish folk tune that we were using, so um, yeah, had to have some Irish uh, awesome epic guitar tapping. So well, I, I got to tell you, I am looking for that one coming out on, on the Patreon page. So what would be our, our, our listeners can get songs like that by visiting our Patreon? That's right. What would be an absolute nightmare would be if um, I brought in bagpipes and just like jam them into the mic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it would just this isn't, this isn't corn. <laughs> well, it could be Robin Mark, but I'd have to sit really far back. Like, I think when he has the bagpipes come out, it's literally just the hanging mic. We'd like have you down in the parking lot and we'd open the oh, yeah. window. That's what we would do. They are so loud. <laughs> um, but yeah, so They're Zach, cool. um, what, what kind of uh, subject matter are we discussing today? So, um... Recently, I was in a class and the professor was just kind of one of those guys who likes to just pose questions and put them out there. Sure. And so we're going to talk about some of those that have to do with the incarnation, basically the coming of Jesus um, in bodily form uh, to be with bodily us. form. Like it's part of it. It's part of it. <laughs> Not to put God in a box, uh, but he did come down and he did take on um, a human shape. And like, what does all that mean? And really kind of the big thing that we're driving towards is why did Jesus come? And would he have still come had there not been sin in the world? Yeah. We know like uh, the basics kind of of the gospels that Jesus came to save us from our sins. But was there more to it than that? Is that really kind of the main reason? I I love this question. I also like the the thinking about the idea that like, you know, would Jesus would it's almost like asking the question, is it necessary for God to be yeah. incarnate on earth? Yeah. yeah. And if it and is it necessary or is it like a contingency? Mm. Yeah. I also like what Ken kind of brought up. So just like a sort of a springboard. I like that. He asked that question. Like when God's walking with Adam and Eve yeah. in the garden, is that an incarnation? Is that the first like attempt to walk with his people? Yeah. Which we'll get into that. Yeah. Okay. So I want to start off by asking this because the three of us have been around church for a very, very long time. Oh, yeah. Um, and oh, yeah. I think maybe people who are uninitiated to church or kind of what Christianity believes, they may have not heard the word incarnation. They might you have heard. heard of, they might have heard of reincarnation or carnation <laughs> instant breakfast. Or uh, carnations that you would either oh, yeah, wear yeah, yeah. or <laughs> the, it's a flower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think of when you hear about incarnation? For me, it's uh, the, the, when I hear incarnation, it immediately triggers Advent season for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about the, uh, the uh, birth of Jesus uh, as a babe uh, right. that there in the manger, um, either in the cave or in the kitchen or, or in the barn, depending on what your church seems to teach about that. But there's a lot of different views of that. But the point is, is that it's about Jesus coming, coming to earth. Um, yeah. as in, uh, by, uh, through, uh, the virgin birth of Mary. I think, okay. 
I think Incarnation is better mm-hmm. than On Bike Nation because you get where you're going a lot faster in Incarnation. It would be like having <laughs> versus uh, having jokes. versus having just a motorcycle. It's two motorcycles with a little house in the middle. It's all held together four wheels. You only need two. No. Um, so uh, I, I I actually I actually think it's interesting because when you first asked this, we were doing the planning meeting when you first asked that. I remember thinking like, well, yeah, sure, God would want to come down say hey but then it's like well why didn't he for yeah however why long? at that specific time that's very interesting because you have thousands of years you know you have the the uh, the creation story mm-hmm. uh where he is not hands off obviously he's part of the whole creation yeah but he d- we've learned that he has his angels do a little bit and then he kind mm-hmm. of uh he kind of visits but he's not like really there to stay because it says in the scripture he visits. So what I think is interesting is uh, the significance hmm. of when he comes in bodily form and why he does that. Yeah. Um, and another thing I think we should get into, which I won't talk. I mean, I like the, the, the word I always say is Emmanuel, right? Cause it's God and God with us, God with us. That's literally what it means. Right. Yeah. And so if you think about it in a way, um, uh, 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 that was kind of sang out uh, amongst God's people. Um, so they understood the idea of that, but sure. it wasn't until Jesus that we saw the, the, the human side of it. The, yeah, the very like, demi- like the, the diminishing of himself into human form. And yeah. so you got to wonder what his schedule and his mm-hmm. timing and his purpose for that is. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I definitely am with both of you guys on that. I also like the word incarnation, you know, when I think about it kind of in the church kind of way, it instantly brings up um, the image of like the nativity scenes. Yep. You know, especially the one um, in front of the Methodist church in our downtown in our city Mm. has these like wax people that are like out in front of it. And so I just think about just the classic like scene with like everything there as inaccurate somewhat as it kind of is like just man that image just gets it's just drilled straight in there and absolutely for, and for some absolutely. reason and for some reason joseph has uh pink clothes and mary has blue clothes there are three wise men which it never you know says there's that many and yeah. also they come like way later in scripture these three kings of orient are that's right <laughs> that's a complete statement put a period on that um, so we talk a lot about the mission of Jesus on this podcast. This is oh, going to yeah. be a very missional this is a mission of Jesus focused episode. And, you know, when we say the mission of Jesus, we kind of, I think the three of us are in agreement that we're talking about the whole life of Jesus plus what he's still doing in the world right Absolutely. now. Um, but I think a lot of people, you know, kind of had this conception of like, what is the gospel? Mm-hmm. What are the essentials of the gospel story? Yeah. Um, so what part of, the mission of Jesus, what part of the gospel do you think people emphasize more? Is it uh, Jesus being born? Is it Jesus dying on the cross? You know, what do what do you guys hear people talking mm-hmm. about? Uh, I, I tend to hear two things. Um, I hear the, 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 the cross and the resurrection aspect uh-huh. of things. And then I hear the great commission. Yeah. And so we got to go, we got to go tell everybody and we got to, we, so we come on, look, times are ticking. We got, we got to get out there. We got to go. 
And so, so I, I, I hear those two things. And so we, we, we got to get them saved. We got to get them saved. We got to get yes. them saved. Have, have you heard about the cross? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, so it's always about, it's always about accepting Jesus mm-hmm. in your heart. Get your get out of hell ticket and let's move on to the next person. You could say that like some people have kind of shrunk it down to that bite-sized chunk for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Colin? Well, I guess I would say most of what I hear when people use the word gospel, they're, they're talking about the end, you know, like what, what's the final result of God of Jesus's mission, which is to die for the sins of humanity. Right. But, um, yeah. So, um, for me, I I usually hear a lot of people emphasize the end. So Mm -hmm. like the ending story being the end of Jesus's story. Well, which is, it's It's not the the, end of the whole story, but I mean, just the end of the gospel story. It's kind of like, it's, it's put out there as the main reason, at least when it comes to like us, it's for our salvation. But I, yeah. I feel like um, some of my most profound like scripture moments, like I don't know what you guys call that, but like when there are certain scriptures that just like stay with you. Oh, yeah. Like oh, it yeah. Hits, hits you real hard. A lot of those are not even the Sermon on the Mount. Those are like a lot of them for me or what I think they call it the Perean ministry where he just kind of walks away from Jerusalem, goes to the mm. cities and then it kind of yeah. doubles back. Um, because he interacts and does all of these, what seems like just random things, but mm-hmm. all of them are very glorifying to God and to him. Yeah. But, um, like things like when he, my, one of probably my single favorite, like, Oh, I bumped into Jesus moments in the gospel is, uh, when he meets the centurion and he's, uh, and he's like, Hey, um, my oh, right, servant yeah. is paralyzed. And then, and then Jesus is like, okay, let's go to your house. And he's like, Oh, uh, I'm not even worthy to even have you under my roof, but because I understand the way my soldier thing works, where I am like a commander of soldiers and I tell them to do stuff and they do it. I have so much faith that you could literally just say that he's healed and he'll be healed. And then Jesus says, Oh snap. Like I've just met the most faithful guy in all of Israel. And, <laughs> and he's not even an Israelite. And yep. what's and what's interesting yeah. to me is that to me is almost more profound. And I'm not saying it's more profound than the cross. I'm not saying that necessarily. What I am saying is that connected with me more personally. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's that's what I think of when I think of the gospel. Yeah. I think of Jesus affecting somebody so profoundly in one like just passing by moment. Right. The and girl that grabs his cloak. Yeah. The 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 uh, um, the guy the guy who's dead. Uh, gosh, why can't I think of his name? Lazarus. Lazarus. Thank you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and John. Uh, so oh, just love it. Just all of those random occurrences that make yeah. Jesus who he is. Yeah. That's what I think of when I think well, of that's, the gospel. That's interesting that you bring that up because all of those um, all those people's stories, all those things that happen that they witness the glory of Jesus. Right. That all happened before the cross happened. That's why I was right. saying it like that. Yeah. Because so, I hear so many people say, Oh, the cross. And I'm like, absolutely the cross. Yeah, That's the whole definitely. point. But those significant times make me understand yeah. who Jesus was. And maybe for those more. people, they were able to have like a profound moment where they trusted in Jesus right. before he even no. demonstrated it on the cross for them. Yes. And, yeah. and, but, but the big thing is that those stories, those, those, uh, those encounters help set the stage for why the cross was so important in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah it is. And, and so, I mean, cause you help understand that, no, this is in fact the God incarnate, that it's not just some random guy. It is God incarnate's being crucified here. It's not, 
you know, you see all these things. You hear how he speaks to people. You see the interactions that are taking place. And if I if I remember correctly, at one point in I think it's more than one gospel, but I, I don't know the actual chapter. But he turns and looks like to where Jerusalem is, and he like weeps. Yeah, because he knows he's got to double back and like do do right. what he needs to do. Mm. And so it almost makes me think like, man, he's just like in his element right now, just like serving, uh, loving, uh, showing people his uh, God's glory and his glory. And and so he's like, man, I know I have to go back to Jerusalem, but this is like jive, yeah. jive time for me. Yeah, you know, it's I, I just wonder if you know it takes a lifetime to really study and like get to know like the entire story of Jesus's life right. and the rest of the Bible that sets the stage for it. Um, and I wonder if people reduce it down to the cross and they've picked the cross as kind of the most important part, mm-hmm. mm. you know, to kind of share with people the elevator pitch. I absolutely think that you need to kind of be prepared to share the gospel with somebody. And sometimes you will, you may only have like a minute or two. Um, but I think like, if we're developing in our like theology of like what we think it all means, I think you got to take it all in. Right. Yeah. So kind of shifting gears, the question that I want to get to has to do with what it means for Jesus to dwell among us. And did Jesus come because Adam sinned or is there more to it than that? Um, which of you guys would you say is the best Latin reader? Um, you wanna, of the two Bob, of us, Bob, you want to read some Latin? I want you to try to. Read I, some I, Latin. I don't know that either one of, either one of us is going to be All good right. at this. I can but. probably do it. Okay, <laughs> so there's a quote there on the notes. Mm-hmm. Okay, go for so, it. So, oh, it, Felix Culpa. There. Is this is is this um, uh, phonic or is this me like deciding how the uh, suffixes sound? I don't know. <laughs> Just read the. I'm read going the best to. Uh, there's when, a translation underneath. When so. in doubt, sound it out. That's what my there teacher would say. Exactly. O Felix culpa, K talum e tentum, meruit haber redemptorum. I have no idea if you did a good job or not, but good job. <laughs> <laughs> I did my best. <laughs> when in doubt, sounded out. Yeah. So that means, oh, happy fault. That's what, have, if you ever heard the term Felix culpa. I haven't, but yeah. uh, no. but I did read these notes. I found it very interesting. It's happy, happy fault, or um, yeah, or happy sin, or um, happy fault that earned for us so great a glorious redeemer. And that's like a really old like Catholic prayer from Easter prayer vigil. Mm. So 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 this prayer is basically saying that um, that he's thankful for the sin for because of the sin it brought the redeemer. Yeah, the sin of Adam merited the fact that we need a redeemer. And so that's kind of been something that the church has said for like a really, really long time. Interesting. Um, uh, now, from what I, I know a very, very small amount about Latin, yeah. but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Felix, because Spanish is also derivative of Latin. Feliz. Feliz. Feliz Navidad. And culpa, I believe, is the prefix of culprit. Oh, which interesting. Makes, that that makes does sense. make sense. So, so uh, Felice would be like happy or joy and then culprit like fault. Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure. I'm pretty Let, sure I'm onto something with yeah. that. No, no, I think you are. Uh, that's, this is, this is language. I, I do Colin. know that the, the, the languages really that derive good. from yeah. Latin are mm-hmm. Spanish, I believe. English. Uh, well, English for sure. Yeah. English has Portuguese. a lot. Portuguese. English has a lot of things, including Germanic. And anyway, I don't want to get yeah. stuck on it. I just thought that was, uh, yeah. I was like, Felix. Yeah. Oh, 
Oh. Yeah. So the so they kind of have taken this view that like the sin of Adam merited for us the fact that we have a really great redeemer. Um and some people have interpreted that to mean that like Jesus mission on earth is contingent upon the fact that Adam sinned and hmm. Thomas Aquinas is one of those guys. Yeah. And I agree with okay. Thomas Aquinas on a lot of stuff, but I'm not sure how I feel about what he says in some of his works about this, but he basically kind of says that like, yes, it's dependent on Adam's sin. That's why the redeemer came. He came as a remedy for sin as kind of the main thing. Well, so, I, I yeah. would agree to it. I would agree that that is why Jesus had to die on a cross. Yes. Yeah. So I would agree with him there, but I don't know if that was the reason why Jesus was incarnate or had the idea to be incarnate to begin with. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there are other theologians who have kind of argued the inverse. Um, Yeah. That was actually a big discussion in the medieval period of the church. Oh, really? Yeah. And I think the medieval period doesn't get enough credit. Um, People just kind of think of it as like castles and knights, but there's a lot Mm -hmm. of good... uh, Castles and a lot and a lot of illiteracy. Yeah. (laughs) But the people who could read, man, they were, they were doing some cool stuff. And in the medieval (laughs) times, they read that scripture that told uh, that that read in the gospel (laughs) that Jesus said, lay down your swords. And the medieval guys are like, man, turn the page on that one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just cool. So what is the incarnation? I thought I'd just kind of go through this. I don't know, Zach, what is it? Um, somebody want to read John 1 14? Sure. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Nice. So first thing there, uh, is word became flesh. And so Mm. what if we kind of broke that down a little bit? What does it mean that Jesus is the word to you guys? Greece would say that Greece is the word. <laughs> Greece is the word. <laughs> um, but if you substitute it in, it would be um, Jesus is the word. It's the word that you heard. It's got groove. It's got feeling. Um, so I would say um, Jesus has said that he is many different things. So he's the way, the truth, the life, yeah. the word, the yeah. light, um, the bread of life. Uh, I believe that. I've always thought as a kid, maybe I'm wrong about Mm -hmm. this. I should probably read somewhere, but I always assumed that when they say the word, I think that they are making a parallel to truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because the word of God is power, of course, but it's also like Mm -hmm. factual truth, like verbally spit out. It's so funny because the Greek word that John uses for word is logos. Yeah. And it's where we get logic you know, and so mm-hmm. it's like saying Jesus is not only, you know, the truth. He's not only um, kind of scripture itself. Like he's also like kind of the underlying logic behind the universe. Yeah. Interesting. You know, like anything that is wise, like uh, Proverbs, you know, kind of talks about wisdom. And I th- uh-huh. people have drawn parallels from that to Jesus. Because the, Jesus is the logos, the logical so. foundation by which our world exists. So I yeah. want. I want. So he to, himself is wisdom. 
Yeah. I want you have all these like great uh, research that are very scriptural. So I wanted to add a colorful thing. Do it. <laughs> so if you've ever seen uh, Star Trek Voyager, there is a Borg character named Seven of Nine, and mm-hmm. there is a existential kind of like what do you believe about like a higher power episode that and, and ah you're talking about the omega uh, uh, the, the 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 molecule thing. Yes. Do you remember that? Oh, I. I, I, I'm a huge Trekkie. I know all so, about so, that episode. So Janeway has always been a little bit of a stickler for like faith technically, mm-hmm. but she has to be sort of the guider, guiding voice for seven of nine mm-hmm. and seven of nine says, I don't know about faith. I don't know about God or anything else, but the reason if there was a religion in the Borg, it was this molecule because this molecule was represented natural perfection in the mm-hmm. universe. Somehow, a molecule of, has come together that yeah. is uh, that is absolutely perfect in every way. Yes, but it was also highly destructive, which is what the episode was based around. Right. And so what I think is interesting is that that your part about the logos, the logic, it, the the rules of the universe, essentially, the, the physics, yeah. all of the things that go into making the universe the universe, that was kind of like what she saw as like a deity. Yeah. And so God is that plus everything else, too. Mm-hmm. And I just think that was interesting that like the perfection thing is maybe even something a robot would like look for and say like, is something perfect in the, in the universe? Hmm. Well, that's kind of, you know, it's funny because that's how CS Lewis kind of came to faith because before he was a Christian through, through, he, through, through Star Trek Voyager. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I sure like this seven and nine character. He, he was so impressed with, you know, the writing. <laughs> 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 now, now somebody's gonna rewatch. Um, <laughs> what is it? Uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, yeah. and it's got a bunch of uh, Star Trek story plots yeah, in there. there you got go. like a Worf character. And stuff. So inspirational. No, but he believed in like a perfect, like real, ultimate good before he like mm-hmm. actually believed in yeah. a personal god. Right, and that's kind of what led him kind of on his path um, because he was like, well, you know, there's got to be like an absolute truth here. You know, there's something, but what is it? <laughs> Which is why a lot. Of, I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead, Bob. So, so he kind of you're saying he was kind of like, well, well. I mean, I know that there. I believe there is a good out there. So, yeah. where does the good come there from? There has to be a way to like judge against, like judge a standard based yes. on something. Yes. And so, so therefore, there has to be some sort of moral yeah. law, and thus the moral law yep. giver argument. Yeah. And, yeah. and I also think that that's a that that is why a, you the three of us, but also a lot of Christians feel like a good first step for anybody when they're coming to God is just to be okay with saying that there's a higher power of some kind, something that's like bigger than me. Right. That's like a good doorway. Like in C.S. Lewis gets there. And then of course it's slowly carving out what God really is over time. Yeah. Yeah. And scripture kind of puts the pieces together. Right. That's it. Yeah. So I want to keep us moving along, but yeah, the word was with God in the beginning and that's what it says in, John 1, 1, mm-hmm. you know, the word was with God and the word was God. But secondly, the word became something. Um, so what do you guys think it means that the word became something? Well, just like I mentioned with the centurion or whatever, uh, as far as God is concerned, his creation can happen just by him speaking it into existence. Right. And so if he can speak himself into existence, that's that's definitely a not an issue for God. I wouldn't think. Um, but so if the word becomes flesh, I think 
it means that God spoke it and it happened and mm-hmm. it became uh-huh. flesh. Yeah. So there's definitely a transformation process there. He is not flesh by nature, but he chose to be yeah. transformed into well, flesh. Well, I have an argument about that in a little bit we should talk about because okay. I, we can pit, yeah. put a pin in this and we don't have to come back to it right now. But I would argue mm-hmm. that if we are made in God's image as human beings, the way we look, the way we are is mm-hmm. in God's image. I could make a hard case and say that God's natural form is a human body. I, I would make the argument that it might be human in appearance, but it would not necessarily right, be right. flesh. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a f- the form yeah. of a human, like sure. the image of a human. There's got to oh, be some, I, yeah, I yeah, there's some there. reason why, like some people think, okay, so we're made in God's image, but like, what does that mean? Right. right That's a right, big right. question. So there's more um, than just the way we look. I know, but yeah, I just mean, cause we're made in his like moral image and right. stuff. And, it, and those arguments have been made that like, it doesn't matter you know, what the human form looks like. I happen to think that there is some importance to it, whatever that happens to mean. Right. But Bob, you should read, um, Philippians two, six through 11. If you don't care, it's right there. Sure. Uh, it says who being in the very nature, God did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So not only did Jesus kind of take on our human form and lived a human life, he also was obedient to death. You know, he allowed himself. On, he allowed himself to take on even that part of human life. And get that full, terrible, yeah. cruel experience. Yeah. But I really like it's that's one of my favorite scriptures. Um, one, because I've learned recently that it actually was a song at one point. Um, so that's kind of where that like those words come from. Right. Mm. And uh, so it was like one of the first Christian hymns. Um, but secondly, it, you know, it shows how Jesus was co-equal with God, the father as part of the Trinity, but still like humbled himself. He submitted himself to be like limited to a human body. Right. Like, yeah. Right. So like we couldn't even fathom the, the physics that go into it. Yeah. Which is why, again, I think that it's more important that we understand that God is truth yeah. because we can't understand the facts yet of like how he could speak, making himself another of himself, but it, it is human. Mm-hmm. That is also his son, but also him. Right. And those things, those things get yeah. interesting when you look at all of the, uh, the councils that have tried to figure right. that stuff out. Yeah. It took like several centuries to kind of, and we like still don't quite get it that out. And we still have some things that we're <laughs> yeah. kind of like, but like the, incar- the yeah. incarnation of God in, in, in human form in the, in the way of Jesus was, was just like a contentious like thing because they wanted to figure out specifically what it yeah. was but it is a mystery to us. But if Absolutely. we but if we look at that scripture, the one that you've referenced already, um, that the word became flesh. Yeah. That is the the most simplistic and brilliant yeah. way of saying it. Is that if if the word was if the word was God mm-hmm. and is God and then became flesh, then I mean you're all set. I mean <laughs> you know, right. don't muddy the yeah. waters. <laughs> yeah. And then lastly, the fact that he became 
flesh, you know, and we kind of already talked about this, but it was important to be a human body and like take on the actual, like there were, there were people like in the early church who thought, I think they were called docetists, but they like thought that Jesus was just this like ghost that was like walking around. They thought he oh, was, really? what, what yeah. was the, the two spirit basically. Yeah. I, I was, I'm familiar with the Gnostics. I'm not familiar with the docetists. A body of, fle- a body of spirit and a spirit of God. Yeah. As opposed to a body of human flesh yeah. and a spirit of God. That's why it says like in first John, like anyone who not, who denies that Jesus came in the flesh is a false prophet. Right. <laughs> like, Interesting. Well, uh, yeah. But, but yeah. You know, I mean, we today are still getting things wrong, so I can't knock anybody yeah. for, you know, the 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 point is that we were all wrestling and struggling and right. that's part of what being a Christian is. Absolutely. Yeah. But what's cool is Jesus got to kind of wrestle with humanity too. Cuz if you read in Hebrews it talks about how um uh Hebrews 2 it says since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. And so he came and he um, was able to experience human life. Um, it says that he's able to empathize with us because of that, um, and that was part of his mission in his victory over death. Zach, can I yeah. ask you something? Who, what? <laughs> what? What did you just say? Who, who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger because <laughs> you just read that scripture that it's based on. Um, so, so uh, Zach, let me ask you something. You mentioned that word dwell. Yes. So does dwell imply just hanging out or does it have a bigger connotation than that? Hmm. That's a very interesting question. Yeah. I think um, if you read scripture, there's a lot to the fact that God wants to dwell with us, you know, Right. Yeah. Not just visit. Not just visit. But dwell. Yeah. If you're, yeah, because like if you're saying, um, I'm going to come visit you, probably means I'm going to come over to your house. We might play some video games, chill for a little bit, but then ultimately I'm going to come home at some point. Mm-hmm. But my house is where I dwell. It's know? a dwelling place. It's a dwelling. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, so, all it says right. for uh, Merriam-Webster, if you want to just just for a fun little factoid, sure. it says to remain for a time, to live as a resident, exist, to keep the attention directed, try not to dwell on things, or you know that's an example they give, or to speak or write insistently. But I like basically to live as a resident of, which is yeah. what we're basically talking about, or to remain for a time. And so remaining is what is kind of mm-hmm. the thing. But again, I go back to this like, okay, he wants to dwell with us, mm-hmm. but he's doing it in his appropriate time in the scripture. And I would argue that a lot of Christians would say he is dwelling with us now through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But we are talking about the incarnation, which is very, very different than which that. Involves, it is different. Absolutely. Which involves flesh. Which involves flesh. Yeah. So, so the dwelling part, I think, needs to have the cattle, the caveat of flesh dwelling in the flesh. So, why, why, why would he need to do that specifically, Zach? 
Well, I'm asking you, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a really big question. And I don't know that anybody like fully understands it, Yeah, you know, but I guess scripture kind of gives us a big hint. Um, especially if we're talking about where the plan, um, was and how the plan kind of developed over time. Right. Hmm. So was the plan always for God and humans to dwell together, like physically, right? Um, well, I think re- based on on Genesis, yeah. there could be some evidence for that. I think so too. Yeah. What do you mean by that, Bob? Well, you, I mean in the garden. I mean the first the first few chapters. You know, God wants to dwell with humanity, and yeah. and so and so they work together in the garden. I mean, Adam's first job before the fall was to tend to the garden. Right. Um, even before naming of the animals, it was to tend to the garden to be to partake in that creation process. Which I I find to be significant. I, I yeah. we, we talked a little bit about that last week, um, but the big thing here is that the fact that that God was with them in the garden, and when when Adam and Eve sinned, I mean God is still searching for them in the garden. Hey, where are you at? Why are you hiding from me? Yeah, I like what you said there about Adam's job and like the purpose of like them being in the garden. Cause it reminds me of the last episode we did when we were talking about technology. Yeah. We were talking about how God kind of had a mission for Adam that was good and he gave him work to do. Um, because throughout the Bible, I think when, when God is calling these people, he kind of does it with, uh, with Abraham too. Mm-hmm. Um, they are called to be cooperators with what God is doing. And so, yeah, in a way they're like co uh, writers (laughs) or like co creators almost um, because God has this redemption plan for the world and he calls us to like get involved in it, you know? So it's not just to sit back and wait for God to just like burn it all Mm -hmm. and make us go to heaven. Like there's a reason why we have a mission too. I think that's a big part of like incarnation as well. And, and, yeah. and if from the beginning, what we as as evangelicals often view as the perfect state prior to sin was God hanging out with us in the garden. Yeah. I mean, I think that that, that is that that shows that that was kind of God's desires from the beginning, that, that he kind of wants that state. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get slander. I'm not going to become blasphemous or slanderous of God or anything, but. If you're like a skeevy atheist or something, you could you could make an argument and be like, oh, so he was just lonely and wanted a bunch of friends. It's like, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and and but you could argue he already had that with the angels. I mean, and the Trinity itself. Yeah, well, his whole, yeah, well, his whole relationship. Well, yeah. his whole creation, though. I'm saying that he, you know, God, God, uh, the entirety of God mm-hmm. of who he is, uh, created everything, right? Uh-huh. Sure. And so if we if we get there. So then it's kind of like, I mean, I guess I, I, I'm just saying, I'm not trying to make God very humanistic, but I'm saying that like, I'd be lonely. I would want companionship too. Yeah. I think, um, a lot of what you see in scripture of like God calling like people together, especially like when you look at like Abraham, like God gives him a new name, you know, God is building a family. Like that's what I've often called it is Mm. like the, this human family that God wants. Right. You know, um, he is calling us because we give him glory when we're part of that right relationship with him. That's right. Yeah. What do you guys think about, um, because we had talked about this with Ken over Facebook before we wrote the notes this episode. 
Um, what do you guys think about Genesis three, eight, where, um, God is walking through the garden and he's looking, he's calling out Adam's name. It does say that he walked. So what do you guys think about that? Was that like a hmm. physical thing? And who was it exactly? Like what person of the Trinity was what Ken said? What do you guys <laughs> think? That, that, that's a neat thought. I, I've, uh, I, I've always kind of made the assumption that that was more of a part of that. Uh, the way that Jewish writers will often do would be more of the slightly of the, of the exaggerated statements at yeah. times. Oh, allegorical. Yeah, and so I, I always view that uh, be, be a little bit more on the mm-hmm. allegorical side of things, but, but I could be so, off. I could be still, completely wrong would, there. Even if even if that's true, though, it would it, still mean something, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. God, the God's presence was there and was moving throughout the garden. Yeah. So uh, to answer the question about Genesis, I would first reference Revelation. <laughs> so I'd go to the end of the Bible to, sure. to reference the yeah. beginning of the Bible. <laughs> but I would say that um, there is an end game where God wants to dwell forever with his people. Uh And so I wonder if the garden is sort of like his, because we, we say at the end of revelation, the garden is there again. Like we have the, like another garden. It's definitely all connected. And so where, where are we at with with Genesis? Genesis is like, in some ways, the very, very first like trial run of like dwelling Mm. with his people. But obviously we know what happens as it goes wrong. Yeah. And so I, I mean, I gotta, I gotta go on a limb and say, I know we're not quite there yet, but I gotta say that I think God's whole intention was to dwell with his people. I think, yeah, I think that he created Adam uh, for the same reason that he created Eve. He created a companion for Adam, just like how he created animals to be companions for Adam. It says that in uh, Genesis, but no suitable helper was found. What's no suitable helper was Mm -hmm. found. And I think that since Adam had the same nature as God needing companionship, I think that God needs companionship. And so, uh, I mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't presume to say God needs anything from us, but But he, he desires, desires it, desires it, desires a much better word than need. And so I think that, um, I think that that was always the plan, but, I think I think the garden story is him saying like, "All right, everything's good now. I got my buddies. I'm gonna go hang out with them, and then we see, we see what yeah, happens." Right. But there's still an end game to do yeah. that again. And you know, we're not saying this was like God throwing it out there and seeing what would happen and not knowing. Like we know that God knew what was gonna come. Exactly. But you know, at the same time, I think that we still have this responsibility as people because we're, mm-hmm. we're placed on earth as people who are given like moral choices and right. free will to kind of do with that as we will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think great stuff about revelation. Um, I just had here revelation 21, 23, uh, that says the city does not need sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light. And the lamb is its lamp. I think I mean, it's interesting is two yeah. words that sound very similar in English. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the just the, flip that B upside down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the lamp is its lamp. <laughs> but yeah, Jesus is the center of um the whole like new creation thing. Yeah. And the Bible kind of like points at that like all the way through because it starts out in the garden of Eden. And then all these things, like for example, um, the tabernacle has all these like images of like nature all around it. So it's like kind of pointing back like, Hey, 
Oh, you're kind of going back to the garden. It's that good, that good time, you know? Yeah. That's what's coming. That again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, even further, I think, I mean, this is another big can of worms, uh, so I won't go too much, but I, I really do think uh, that the whole story of the Bible is God a- attempting to solve that initial problem. But it's so like, I, I mean, I know that God knows all the things that would have occurred, right? But it almost seems like throughout the scripture, it's like him trying different methods to solve this problem of sin. Okay. Because mm-hmm. the ark, you know, he's like, all right, everybody's just goofing up. We need to just wipe the slate clean, start over. Mm. And then he's like, all right, now these towns have formed and everything's going okay, but these certain towns are not doing so good. So I'm just going to like kill them. And then, you know, but God's people still be good. And then it keeps like yeah. getting worse and worse. And he's like, hmm. Can't seem to nip this in the bud. (laughs) I I might take a slightly different approach and say that God was showing us that there is no other way that, that that he has explored. But that's my point is that he already knew all that would occur. Sure. sure. And so so it's not necessarily about him exploring the different methods as much as it is about showing us that he has explored all other methods. Right. We cannot do it on our own. Showing us like the depth of sin that like even flooding the entire earth for instance, it still exists past that. Yeah, that's right. And and the Nephilim still exists past that too. That's true. (laughs) We've we've proven it. (laughs) No, we haven't proven it. But what's really cool about that, all that stuff, because you could say that like the flood was part of it. You could say that like Abraham was like called as Mm -hmm. a mission to kind of help form the nation of Israel. Um, You can say that that whole entire history was like God's mission leading up to the mission of Jesus. But when did the mission of Jesus start? Did it start as all that stuff was happening? Did it start like way after? I think when Jesus was 33, it when started. When Jesus was 33, <laughs> when his ministry ended. Yeah. So, no, I, I mean, you've, yeah. you you uh, are the big cheerleader for the uh, Jesus was with God before creation began. Uh, so, not just me. No, yeah, I, I meant, but, of but the, yes. of, you say that a lot is what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, that's kind of my like gotcha thing. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You think yeah, Jesus yeah. wasn't around? <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite scriptures is uh, Genesis three fourteen through 15. And it's after uh, the fall had happened and God is kind of giving out the curses to Adam and right. to Eve and to the serpent. And oh, you said this is your favorite part. Okay. <laughs> this is one of my favorite verses. <laughs> <I'm just teasing>. um, <laughs> this is what he says to the snake. Mm-hmm. He says, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, which apparently snakes had feet before this. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity um, or disagreeableness or strife. Uh, I will put that between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And the woman's offspring will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And so people have called this um, basically a precursor to Jesus because an offspring born of woman is born and will crush the head of the snake. Interesting. Yeah. And the same word, it's actually, it's um the young woman is the same word for virgin in Hebrew. So you could also translate it as 
um, I'll put end between between you and the virgin, and her offspring will crush uh, your head. So it's kind of a play on words there. I like that. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so I think that I think that we're on a good track here because it kind of seems like there's something to um, incarnation. There's something about the mission of Jesus that goes like way, way back, like way before we knew that there would be like a person called Jesus that walked around. Yeah. See, I mean, uh, in our, in our study in, at center church, um, I told you, we talked to, we're, we're going through a chronological, uh, account of the gospels. There was somebody who put a, like in the four gospels, you can read and order all the events. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, I had a Bible a while back that actually did that. And I'm pretty sure it's Luke. That is like one of the first, like the earliest things, but I, Oh yes. uh, So what I thought was interesting is that they were talking about the mission of Jesus starting Mm -hmm. when the Holy spirit comes out of Mary into Elizabeth's womb and lets John the Baptist in the womb go. (laughs) And so it's like, but, but you are right because the mission of Jesus, as we like to refer to it on the podcast, uh, it did start at the creation because yeah. now that is actually a argument for the Jesus came only because of his mission, but that I, I, I still don't believe that, but do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying that like if his mission started at creation, yeah, then him coming to earth might've been a result of his mission. Right. Or did, was the mission always for Jesus to dwell with us, always for Jesus to come and be a part of the world as Christ, as the son of God. And then the nature of the mission changed Mm. because sin entered the world. There was now a need for um, someone to come and crush the head of the snake and deal with death. Um, And so God Mm. knew that there would be an offspring perhaps of woman one day and was just saying, this is what's going to happen. And here's what he's going to do when he gets here. I think it's really interesting because you know? it's like, there are a lot of times throughout the gospel even, but like all throughout the Bible, but just in the gospel where I can tell that God knew it was going to happen. And yet he allows himself to be like right. close to like, for example, remember when uh, he's tempted, we've talked about this a lot, tempted by Satan out in the desert, right? Yeah. So right after that, after he like gets done with it, he has like angels attend to him mm-hmm. yeah, because he was like starving and like that ordeal put him through like quite a bit. And I remember being like, wait, so the angels could have stepped in or God could have, or- they were like, you know, they're like all the guys in like the Rocky movies that are like, they have to be outside the ring, but they're yeah. like giving him like the water and stuff. Yeah. But during the actual round itself, they're not interfering. It's just, you know, oh, yeah. Rocky, versus Apollo or whoever. And then it's like, <laughs> ding, ding, the round's over. And then it's like, you got to go oh, back to the corner. You got to get that coagula- <laughs> the ice. Coagula- yeah, yeah. Don't let him drink the water, but he can spit it. So out. they're not I, actually in the fight, but they're there supporting their guy. I, 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 I think yeah. Carmen has a song kind of like that. Yes. Carmen has a lot of songs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But one specifically about, about Jesus being like, a boxer. I like the gunfighter one. It's, it's Satan <laughs> bite the dust. <laughs> So, um, so Zach, uh, when we, when we talk about, um, his reasons for doing what he did, uh, I guess we all maybe are going to get close to the same conclusion, but I'll just, I'll just ask, 
uh, Bob, what, what would you say his reason for coming uh, in general would be uh, had? I mean, I'll 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 do this. There's no sin. What reason does he have to come? Okay. Um, if there's no sin. What reason does he have to come would be a desire to be with his creation. Right. Mm-hmm. Kind, of, kind of the with with the garden. I mean, that why did he come to the garden before there was sin? Is there any scripture to back this up, Zach? I just don't know if Bob's talking out of his... <laughs> to empathize, yeah. So, I'm, teasing. I'm, teasing. I'm being silly, sorry. Yeah, so there's a bunch of reasons uh, for his coming that I kind of found in scripture, but there's like a whole lot more than this, I think. Uh, but these are just a few. So, of course, there's the remedy for sin, which Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Um, we've all... Mm-hmm kind of been told that most of the time we've been in church. Um, but there's also like one of the things I think is really interesting is um, revealing God to us because God is um, kind of inconceivable and unknowable to us in a lot of ways, but Jesus makes God visible. So like Colossians one fifteen says the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Um, so it's kind of like God is represented to us through God, the son, uh, being here. I mean, he, he, he is, he says over and over that he comes with his like father's authority, like all authority has been given to him. And so he's sort of the, like, that's when, that's when I always get confused about it not being God, but it is like, cause he'll speak as if his father gave him the authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, it's too, you know, that's two different people. And then later he's like, you know, I'm the father of one. Yeah. Right. I'm the father of one. That's so true. Yeah. Um, it's, and, it's, and this is why it took the early church hundreds of years to truly begin to sort out this doctrine. The incarnation it, yeah. is, is funny that way. It almost seems to me that he does have all the authority of God. I mean, he's equal with God. He's part of the Trinity. Right. But he, as the son, has a relational like role to play, which is obedience to the father. So there's a lot of scriptures about that, like in Philippians two that we read earlier, you know, like he submitted himself even to death on a cross. Like he did that because he was following how the father sent him. And when he gets baptized by John the Baptist, God says, this is my son for with whom I am well pleased. Is yeah. That what he says. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> it's like, Oh, you just patting yourself on the back there. Cause I know that's you. Down there. <laughs> but, but I think, I think that if, if he can be obedient to death, yeah, I think he could also be obedient to being separate enough from the father part of right. the Trinity. But to be obedient implies that there is a, that there is a, a command that he's being obedient to. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is coming from the father. Very interesting. Yeah. So there's something about the son. The son is begotten is what the creeds say. You right. Know? He's begotten of the father conceived of the Holy spirit mm-hmm. born of the Virgin Mary. Um, there's something about, his nature that is even though he's God and he's ruler of like all things, he's still the one that's sent like the father sends him. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, he also empathizes with us. Um, if you read Hebrews four fifteen, it says 
We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Um, so he was able to kind of overcome all the temptations uh, that humans face, and he can empathize with that because he experienced it. Um, and then finally, there's uh, mutual indwelling, which just basically means like, we're in him and he's in us. Yeah. You read about that in John 17 as he's kind of praying, like I pray that they would have unity because I would be in them. They would be in me. That sort of thing. That's, that's an incarnational thing too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, hmm. that's, that's again, why I, uh, I think that it's interesting that all the different parts of the Trinity play a role in how, how their relationship is with the people of the world. Yeah. So a lot of people reference that like 400 years of silence leading up to right. Jesus's birth. And it's like, but God was still over all of that. It's just, there's no scripture describing anything in that. I mean, cause that that's the jump right from the last, uh, yeah. it, uh Malachi yeah. to, um, to Matthew. Is right. That right. Yeah. And so my thing is like, if it's not Jesus here, it's the Holy spirit. And if it's not the Holy spirit, it's the father. Like he's always, he's always being relational. And he says, I'm going to send you a helper, you know? Right. Yeah. So I just think that he's, he's always meeting with us, but the physical fleshly incarnation is what we are asking the question. Why specifically the fleshly incarnation? Could Mm -hmm. he not have facilitated without the flesh? Right. Well, Well, I think Exodus shows us that he can and he does. Well, um, we, that depends on if you think he wasn't physically fleshly walking in the garden. Well, well no, no. But what I'm getting at is in, the, in, the, in Exodus, he he leads by a pillar of a, a cloud by day and a, yeah, a pillar of fire true. by night. Yeah. And he's present in the burning bush and uh, on Mount Sinai. So so he is and present and not in the fleshly form, still guiding his people through. And some might say that uh, an a incarnation of God is the angel of the lord but mm-hmm. that's yeah a little more touchy yep. but um, that'd be an yeah, interesting one Jacob. to talk about sometime because that's like there's so much in scripture angel of the, of the angel lord, of the lord. Yeah. yeah we almost put it in the uh spiritual beings one but i really do feel like that one takes a different cast well, and, it, and then there's also kind of the holy spirit is in the old testament too like it talks about like the it spirit is. of god will do this or the spirit of god rested upon him or whatever so it's funny how the old testament is kind of trinitarian but it's way before the Trinity was like developed as like one cohesive like idea. Right. Yeah. And and I think that all that God is all parts of the Trinity have to do with relationship with us. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's kind of mm-hmm. my point is that um, there is, there, there is an argument you could make that God can be relational without the flesh, but God wants the fleshly indwelling is the word you say, yeah. right? Indwelling. Yeah. And so when, when we get to that point, we have to, we have to ask ourselves why, right? Like what, what's the, I, and, and I really do think it's because of how deep a relationship is for a human to understand when you can like physically see, talk to yeah. hug, kiss that, like, you right. know, you got to wonder how, how close Judas feels to Jesus that he, he can kiss him, even though he's betraying him. Right. Uh, like you would, if you're, if, if you're going to steal money from somebody, you wouldn't kiss them in the cheek. <laughs> Even a guy who doubts Jesus wholeheartedly, 
in that moment, uh, uh, still had a deep enough relationship to give him a kiss. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Right, it's like when right. you get to that point physically, there's there's a deeper bond for humans, I think, and maybe that's what what God is um, is building. Nice. So, last couple of questions as we wrap up here. Mm-hmm. Would Jesus still have come if Adam had not sinned? I think yes. Yeah, based on the discussion we've had here, um, this is something I hadn't really thought about before you brought this topic up, Zach. And uh, and yeah, I think I got to agree that that he, based on this, he probably would. Because once again, God desires to be dwelling yeah. with us. I think so, because I think the end goal being like in Revelation, how we're all together, you know, in the flesh, um, I think that it probably would have looked different. Like imagine going straight. Oh, from, absolutely. Imagine going straight from Eden through whatever process of history that would have been like to final like revelation. Like that would have been really different. And I don't think we could possibly imagine it, but yeah, I think that that's what God ultimately desires. Mm-hmm. Now I do think that, um, the Felix culpa or whatever is still, is still good because it means that like, because of the way that it happened, we can be thankful even for the fact that Adam sinned. Um, but yeah, I guess, uh, the other question is how is being sent part of who Jesus is? Um, I just, I I put a little blurb there about how anytime someone is sent in the scripture, it's always because God has sent them on like a mission or a purpose. So if, uh, if, uh, like for example, when he sends Ananias to go visit uh, Saul, aka Paul, uh, and Ananias is like, "What's the deal?" and he's like, "Just do what I'm saying." And yeah. he's like, "But that guy's gonna like get me in trouble." He's like, "He's here to like get you know, tell me I broke the law," and he's like, "Just do just do what I need you to do." There's a purpose, and when he does it, uh, whether or not you understand it or not. But in the case of Jesus being sent, that's one that is super significant because I think that Jesus both uh, ignorantly and also he knew what was going to happen was sent on a mission. (laughs) So (laughs) you get what I'm trying to say? Oh yeah. Um, A lot of people uh, have told me that uh, Jonah and Jesus is like a huge parallel. Hmm. And I've always been like, no, because Jonah like denies God's will and all of this. Yeah. Uh, But what it, what it comes down to is that Jonah knew what God wanted him to do. Yeah. And the difference was that Jonah made a conscious decision. A lot of times when we're mm-hmm. sent, we may not know, like, what is the song? When, where feet may, or my feet may fail. Yeah. Uh, you call me out across the waters. Yeah. And so I think that Jesus was sent knowing full well exactly what would happen to him yeah. and went through the entire process anyway. Well, you see that in uh, in the garden when he's praying before he's arrested. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you see where he is giving he's talking about his human desire not to have to face all that. Um, sure, but he submits sure. to the father's will. Somebody was kind of talking about that earlier. Um, I was, they were kind of telling me about how like that just proves that there's like two different wills of uh, God, you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, sort of. But then. But I think I don't Jesus, think that's a two different wills of God. That's not, a, that, that, that shows that, that Jesus is human. Shows Jesus humanity. Exactly. Yes, and so yeah. recognizing that this is not going to be pleasant. I'm not sure I want to do this. But ultimately, your will, Father. Absolutely. And I guess maybe to that point, 
Colin, like like Jonah, like it's like it's like the Jonah that said yes from the very beginning. Right. Yeah. And so and so what what we get is kind of like the faulty, like doubting or not doubt. He doesn't doubt God. He just doesn't want to do it. Yeah. And so because he's like those people are jerks and I would rather just like throw myself in the water and not really like go through with it. Cause I know God's mad at me. And then God's like, no, you're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what being sent means. Like God's not going to, I mean, honestly, if God doesn't want you to say no, you're not, you, you're, you're not going to be able to say no. Right. And so I, that's, that's what I mean. What I mean is that Jesus was God and was also human, knew everything that was going to happen and didn't say no. Yeah. And being sent in that way mm-hmm. is what his identity is. Right. You yeah. said the, your question is being sent part of who Jesus is. I would say the fact that he knew and didn't say no is who he is. Yeah. That's his obedience and his basically right. like his, his perfect willingness to serve. Like Jesus is a servant, you know, and that's, that's in his nature. Yeah. And so I think that, I think that Jesus would have, then this is just speculation. But I think mm-hmm. that he would have been obedient to the father. If there was no sin in the picture, let's say, um, I think that he could have still been sent and he could have still been obedient to that call to go and say, Hey, I'm here now. I'm Jesus. And I'm doing my father's will on in the world. And you just kind of skip right into that revelation. Probably. Gotcha. Um, That's right. But there's still this, uh, Felix culpa thing where happy is the fault of Adam. I think that we can still say that because um, like I'm thinking about in Genesis 50 where it says what man had intended for evil, God intended for good. That's right. So I think that God's Mm, God's kind of purposes might be in a way that we can't really completely understand or wrap our minds around. He sees that um, Adam was going to sin, um, saw that people were going to go astray and bring sin into the world and mess it all up. And he said, I'm going to turn that into something for my glory. That's what God does. Absolutely. Boom, boom, boom. Sweet. A little bit of incarnation truth for your cereal. Dropping the truth. Mm. (laughs) But yeah, good episode, Zach. Yeah, buddy. Thanks guys. Love it. Hey, and real quick, just, uh, I'm going to throw this completely off the wall here. For those of you who have questions for us, we're going to be gathering those up here real soon, so oh, yeah. so, so so be sure to uh, to drop some questions for us on a on Please. a Facebook page. So I know it has nothing to do with this episode, but I want to make sure we get that out there before we forget. We're going to do some uh, kind of social media stuff in the next couple of weeks because we're building up to the big one oh oh episode. Yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Peace 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 peace. Which peace, also peace, coincides with the very pagan. Holiday of Christmas. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm Don't teasing. you mean Sam Hain? The Sam Hain. No. Um, so, uh, but yeah. So, thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, love to talk about Jesus. Anytime we get a chance to talk about Jesus, yeah. the mission of Jesus. Th- th- thanks for bringing this up, Zach. This is a really fun episode. I think it was good. Um, I like that Zach gets really uh, into those uh, big words that uh, seminary students know. Like, <laughs> I can't help it, man. It's like. It's like ruined me for talking to normal people. Sanctification, <laughs> uh, incarnation, incarnation, and several others. What? What? Eglikin? Eglikin? Anakin? <laughs> I have the high ground. Don't try it. <laughs> That's scripture right there. <laughs> yeah. 
don't defy God. He has the higher ground. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, all right, guys. Uh, well, check us out on Patreon. Check us out on uh, different podcasts. Uh, we're going to be doing a live stream soon. Uh, be looking for our social media stuff to get more details and answer some questions so we can do a question crossfire. Come on soon. Love you. Peace.